Simon Stern, the founder and CEO of Obermott and the developer of the Obermott method. Today we speak about the performance of stock picked with the Obermott method. We look at our own portfolio. Why do we do that? The reason that we manage our own portfolio online, visible for everybody who uses Obermott, is to help people make it themselves. So it's not that we want to tell you to buy a certain stock that we happen to buy. It's a lot more to show how we make decisions ourselves and then, you know, help you this way, make your own investment decisions. So our portfolio is not really something you should copy or invest into like other people that do their portfolios for public reasons. It's really more a way of understanding stock investing and that it is not that difficult. Now, we look at the performance of our stock portfolio once a year. And again, this has a purpose. You should not look at your performance every day or every other week or every month because looking at the performance of your portfolio misleads you in wrong directions. If you happen to have a stock that lost money, it may convince you to sell when actually that stock has reached its bottom and is going to go up from there. Looking at past performance really doesn't help much, but you want to look at it at least once. The way we do it is very special. We don't look at the performance in the last period. We look at what we put into the market and how much it is worth today. So this is not about the most recent up and down in my portfolio. It's really about my entire investment life cycle. So you can actually see that. The link is right below our podcast. You can see it on our website. And there's the performance of our portfolio shown as a percentage change to the money we put in. It starts in 2016, 17, 18, 19, and 20. That's what you see so far. And what you see is how much more or less the stocks are actually worth compared to the money we invested. First, let's look at the different colored bars. We have shown the performance in different currencies. We use Swiss francs for obvious reasons. That's our own currency. Euro, because we are in Europe. US dollar, because it's the most important currency worldwide. And also British pounds, because that's another interesting benchmark that we use. Why do we show the performance in different currencies? Well, performances are different in different currencies. And you can actually see here in 2017, the performance in Swiss francs was a lot better than in Euro. And this had probably to do with the fact that the Swiss franc gained a lot of value in 2016 because we unpacked the Swiss franc to the Euro. And for that reason, the stock market actually crashed in 2016 briefly. And from then it recovered, providing a higher return in Swiss franc. It's a likely uh, result. You can also see by 2020, the performance in US dollar and British pounds is higher than it is in Euro and Swiss francs. And that's for the simple reason that these currencies are weaker than the Swiss franc and Euro. So you will see higher performances in currencies that are weak than in currencies that are strong. Now, most people obviously want most performance in strong currencies. Unfortunately, this is really impossible because you cannot know which currency is strong in the first place. And it is actually not that important either because at the end of the day, 
This is something that goes for decades and decades until you really need the money. And you're not that sure if you really need the money in that strong currency. Maybe you're going to consume your retirement savings in another currency. So you don't really know yet what you know currency you actually need at the end of the day. So having the highest return in the strongest currency obviously is the most desirable thing, but it's impossible. Some people try to hedge their returns in one currency that they believe is very strong. Typically, it's their own home currency. So I've heard of British people that they want it all returned in British pounds. And of course, the Swiss want all the returns in Swiss francs. And what they sometimes do, they hedge their currency risk, which means they're paying money so that any fluctuation in the currency gets compensated. However, this is really expensive. You can lose as much as 2% of your annual returns from currency hedging. And if you only can expect 3 to 4% returns, as you can now with these high stock prices, it basically means that half of your return is gone if you decide to hedge your portfolio. So what I recommend to do is to not worry that much about the currency that you actually have. I recommend to show your performance in different currencies or do not really worry that the currency may work against you right now. So let's look at what actually has happened to our portfolio. We started in 2015 and by 2016 we had the first annual performance. And you can see in 2016 the portfolio actually went south. This is a very, very typical situation because if you start investing, there wasn't any return yet that can help you stay above the zero line. So you're really completely exposed to the market and you really have to hope for that the first year of your investing is actually a good year at the stock market because that's more or less the only possibility that you have good returns in the first year. It didn't happen to me, but that's actually not that bad because it teaches you a lesson that is a lot more important than the return you're getting from that investment. It basically teaches you the lesson of losses. It helps you understand that losses are natural. And one of the biggest biggest dangers to people is that they start panicking once they have a loss. So if that happens to you early up, uh, up front when you invest, it actually is a really important teaching lesson for you. It happened for me with an industrial company that is uh, called Sandvik. I decided to invest in Sandvik, which does machinery similar to ABB that we have here in Switzerland or Siemens in Germany. Sandvik is a big industrial conglomerate. And I figured, you know, they are good value. I used Obermott ranks to identify them. And I bought Sandvik shares. And when I looked at my portfolio after two months, which I did, I was at the beginning. And at the beginning, I was terrified investing directly in stocks. And I was really worried I would pick a bad stock. And it turns out I really picked the bad stock. Bad stock. I picked Sandvik. And in spring uh, 2015, the Sandvik CEO happened to accept an invitation from another big company in Sweden to fly to London to go shopping in their private jet. And the press you know, heard about it and it became a big scandal because the Swedes don't like people spending that kind of money you know, in private planes. And for that reason alone, you know, this was really the only reason I could find in these two months that was negative on Sandvik and the stocks lost about 30% of their value. Now, 
a consequent would, consequence would obviously be if you lose 20 or 30% is to sell the stock, which I didn't do because it's against the open market philosophy. And I was really lucky about that because by now the stock is way positive. So despite the loss of 30% in the first couple of months, I had an investment that by now is strongly positive. So be always happy if you have a loss-making lesson because it's going to help you cope with losses in the future. And if you want to make money at the stock exchange, you have to accept that losses are possible. And you have to build up a strength, you know, capturing with loss. So how did it go on? 2016 was a bad year. 2017 was already positive, and by that time I was quite happy. But then 2018 was again negative, you know. So basically by that time, I had invested for three years, full three years, and I had to realize that had I done nothing, I would be at the exact same spot. And that again can happen to you. When we did analysis on different markets, we realized that it could actually happen that after seven years, all the losses that you have made in the first seven years are gone. So this can still happen to me, you know, in my portfolio too. So it's really possible that, you know, even after years and years of investing, you end up with a negative return overall. Now, I think you can't avoid that because the markets are volatile and you don't know what the next couple of years will bring because if you would know, you wouldn't have to look for advice for stock investing because you would have already made enough money. So don't worry about that. Don't worry if you go back down because it's the nature of stock investing. What happened to me then in 2019 that the losses were, you know, recovered again. As you can see now, the bars, the return bars are back up at about 20, 25% as they were in 2017. Of course, I would have made more money if I had sold everything in 2017 and then bought again in 2018, then the return would be a lot higher. But we cannot expect that, you know, this is really possible. And then by 2020, something extraordinary happened. This year, the returns were so high that my portfolio is now up more than 50% in every currency that I show here. I think that's extraordinary. It helped that I kept investing during that really difficult time. I heard, you know, from a lot of, from, from some subscribers, not a lot, from some subscribers, I heard that they wanted to cancel their premium subscription to Obermott because they have sold all their shares. I must say this is a really bad habit. If, if you sell when things look bad, you know, you may actually sell right then when it was best to invest. And I already had a couple of um, insights published in spring 2000 and 20, 2020, where I said, you know, this is actually a good time to invest. And I invested, I bought a couple of stocks and of course they contributed to the high return of 2020. But even without that, 2020 was an extraordinary year. We had lots of returns in that year, despite the pandemic. Now, some people think that's irrational. They say uh, the stock markets is completely nuts. You know, it, 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 it doesn't reflect the real economy at all. And I must say, this is a wrong conclusion. The stock market does not reflect the economy. The stock market reflects the future of the economy. And by the end of 2020, a lot of people felt that the economy is going to recover and that we'll, we, may, we might even have, may even have the roaring 20s again 
as a hundred years ago, where everything just went up and up and up. So for that reason, the stock market stayed quite solid. The question, of course, is, would it last? Unfortunately, nobody knows that. Well, there's one thing to remember, which is our rule. Slowly in, slowly out. That's what safe investing is all about. The important thing is to stay invested, to continue investing. And that's what I'm going to do. So even though I think the market is again very high, a feeling I, by the way, had for the last five years, I still want to keep investing for my retirement and I will still convert money I save into stocks that provide a good return, which my bank account doesn't do anymore. Just remember one thing at the end. When you look at your portfolio, always write down how much you have invested at what time into your account so that you can compare the actual value to everything you invested. That helps you, especially in bad times when you're stuck, when your portfolio value decreases because it may still be an increase from the time when you invested. So do it as we do it now here at Obermott. It provides you the much better guidance if stock investing was the right thing for you to do. That was my decision. I wish you a lot of success with your decision. Music